yourself for sheer fucking hubris. Fucking hubris. All right, hello, uh, and welcome once again a another episode of Sheer Fucking Hubris, where Joe Bob, Warden, and Willie discuss Star Trek Discovery. Continued our watch through with episode six, Lethe. And uh, is that how you is that how you say it, Lethe? I don't know. Because <laughs> I mean, assumption I've made, yes, that's the <laughs> okay, okay. We really did our homework on this one. Oh, certainly. <laughs> Good job, guys. Actually, but, you know yeah, what? I, I did do some homework anywhere. on this one. Well, hang on. Let Be- me let me just say no, 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 no. <laughs> I, I, I have it. I, <clears throat> I I just uh, wanted to kick this off by saying, um, bring back the fucking Tarta dog. That was stupid. <laughs> But it was it it was at least okay. This was terrible. I hated it all. Oh my! All right. Well, at least we're, at least, at least we're jumping straight in. They forgot how to write anything. They forgot anything that they had established already. They forgot basic like plot. Yeah. This. Anyway, this, was this the is equivalent. Joe Bob, Willie, and Warden signing off. Fuck this episode. <laughs> We're Sorry. done, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Trying to make up for last week's mess. <laughs> A lot easier to edit. Ah, <laughs> uh, shit. Okay, sorry about that. Sorry about that. You know, no, you know what? Let I me think ask you, make... you, Willie. Yeah, what did you think of this episode? <laughs> yes, thank you. I, I've been waiting with bated breath to dive okay. into this one. <laughs> so... To start with, this is like the episode of a sitcom where they give the actors the week off and they just like pull in like the little clips and make the little nostalgia episode that doesn't really impact yeah. anything. Uh-huh. Because I feel like the whole time I was watching this episode, it was it, at the end of it, it was like, what was what? How did this advance any plot lines? Um, I, it was it was just really poorly done. I felt like and. Even up to the point that, at least when I watch context, dot, 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 is for Kings, by the time I got through it, at least I knew why they named it that, right? And so I'm watching this, and, and I first see the episode title, I'm like, oh, Lethe, this must be a character we meet, or a place we go, or something, because, you know, I know a little bit about Greek and Roman mythology, but I feel like Lethe is a bit esoteric. When it comes to Greek mythology, I, I did. I looked it up after the episode was over, and uh, was just kind of shocked at how, uh, how, like I said, just just esoteric of a title that we gave this episode. Do anybody else feel that way? I think they thought it was goddamn clever. <laughs> I'm sure they did. I think they took a break at you know noon and went home for the day. Right. I mean, what? All right, what, what, what is the there, What time did I, I what time know. did they show up? Eleven forty-five. Because yeah. this this was not even a half a day's work. So, but yeah, that, maybe, maybe my, Glenn my, was eating some ice cream and it was Dolce de Lete, and he was. There's <laughs> <laughs> our episode. Yeah. But you no, know, I I, I I thought the episode just was a total waste. Time out. Time out. Of time. Hold on. Wait. Let Warden ask his question. He started asking. Sorry, Warden. What were you saying? Oh, well, I was just, I mean, it sounds like you did some, did some, some research, 
Willie, is it a Greek mythology thing? What? what? Yeah, I believe it's. If I'm pulling from memory correctly, it was the goddess of, uh, like Joe Bob said, I think it was uh, confusion and oblivion or, or something. I mean, hell, this may be worth a look and up. And forgetfulness. Yeah. Um, uh, but uh, I think what they're going how for here. How pro- clever. Um, okay. I think what they're going for here. Those clever sons of bitches. <laughs> uh, when you passed into the underworld in the afterlife of Greek mythology, there was uh, there were rivers you had to cross. One of them, you know, the famous one being the River Styx. There was also the River Lethe, uh-huh. um, that I believe was the river uh, ahead of Elysium where the heroes rest. Okay, and the waters of the River Lethe would make you forget your life on the mortal realm as you went on into the afterlife. So you were supposed to forget your previous life before entering, you know, the halls of Valhalla. And I think they are going for, this is Michael drinking the waters of Lethe so she she can forget her mortal existence and go on to become a hero in the afterlife in this rebirth that she has. uh, Wow. So, uh, yeah, I so fortuitously that. been gifted as science officer of USS Disco. Of the Disco. This is, this is very flagellatingly <sighs> just. <laughs> wow. Okay. Um. Maybe so. Maybe so. But um, <laughs> e- even that seems too well thought out for this episode. It, it, maybe they came up with the name of the episode and they wrote the episode to fit the name. Yeah, maybe somebody was reading it was like, hey, this Lethe thing, it could be a really good episode name. Can we write one around it? <laughs> and that's how we wound up with with what we did, because it was bad. Um, <laughs> you know, I don't think so. I, I, I think you could write a better episode. Hey, it, I, I don't know what happened. I don't know what the hell happened. <laughs> <laughs> maybe but, Glenn's right. taking Greek mythology in night school and he was telling him about it. <laughs> He was playing. He's playing God of War. Got really into it, and uh, came in the next day telling telling him about it. So, yeah. Uh, well, you know, any any other general thoughts on the episode before we really start uh, taking a deep dive into this thing? I'm looking. Um, um, it was it was so stupid. <laughs> One I think we both think we belabored it, that point already. Um, but, uh, okay, so remember, can... remember in um, when we reviewed the pilot, and I asked if which which uh, sorry, remember when we reviewed the pilot, and I asked which franchise ruined long distance psychic communication first, this or the Last Jedi? Right. Yes. I mean, this just doubles down on it. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, mean, I thought that was yeah. dumb in you the know, pilot, but it just absolutely doubled down on it. Right, because at this point we have interjected technology to try to amplify how stupid it was to start with mm-hmm. uh, you know i felt like this this whole show should be called star trek mcguffin because whenever they need something technological to happen to further the plot it's like they just twinkle their nose twitch their nose what the hell else, and and go with it and then there it is you know here put your uh put your facial clamp on your facial strap on on and you can go enter someone's mind but it should uh, also just, but but then technology doesn't work when it needs to not work 
And sometimes it works, but it doesn't work at the same time. (laughs) It's Schrodinger's technology because like, like the episode where they went to the ship that had no power, but it also had power. (laughs) Right. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. it was, it was bad. I, I felt like, uh, I was watching all the worst parts of TLJ the Matrix and Iron Man two, yeah. or three. I, yeah, All right, I mean, well, there, there were a couple scenes that I felt like were lifted straight out of those. Yeah, maybe a little Doctor Strange. Well, I say let's uh, let's dive straight in here. Okay. Uh, you know, again, I, I have uh, I've always tried to say I'm going to be fair and <laughs> compliment things when it needs to be complimented. I thought the uh, set for Vulcan did a great job of making it look like uh, Krypton. So if that's what they were going for, <laughs> if that's what they were going for, they nailed it. But not, <laughs> so. but not, but only the specific shitty Krypton that we saw in Man of Steel. <laughs> exactly. And this exactly. makes about as much goddamn sense as the Krypton from Man of Steel. I uh, know. The only thing we were missing was the codex hidden underwater that Sarek had to go retrieve before he got on his, uh, his ship that aerodynamically made Michael's no the sense. Codex. <laughs> maybe, oh, Hey, that's, please tell me we don't go that, go there with this show, but who knows? Maybe we do. So I, I don't know where this, I don't watch these so, movies, so I, I can't tell you. So Sorry, we, what did you say? Uh, what's that word? I said, I don't watch D- I haven't seen many DC movies, so I can't tell you one way or the other. Oh, well. Well, it wasn't. I haven't either. I don't know. I've seen that one. <laughs> yeah. Which is why. <laughs> yeah, that that's probably the last DC movie I saw was Man of Steel. But so, all right. So Sarek takes off, you know, in, in his in his ship that shouldn't fly, and the pilot says, "Hey, can I ask the nature of our mission?" God, he and, like a uh, oh, he totally was sweet bowl cut. And, no pilot. He's just. I thought he was like a Sarek's was, like assistant servant. Yeah, like I, I had no idea he was the pilot until later in the episode when they when they said that. But uh, so he gets on. He's like, "May I inquire the nature of our mission?" And Sarek says, "You know, um, allow no. me to be diplomatic and say, you know, no." <laughs> so. Right off the bat here, if you're having this super secret mission of peace, supposedly mission of peace, and, um, you know, it's shrouded in mystery, wouldn't you have pulled in, like, a confidant or somebody that you could have said, like, look, this is what we're doing. I'm not really sure how this is all going to play out, so I need somebody that I can trust on here with me. Not this not this rando uh, Uber pilot. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like he called an Uber. And he's like, "Hey, take me to take me to Cancree Four, you know." You think uh, at the end when uh, Admiral Doctor went to the meeting instead that uh, her pilot was like, "What's this mission about?" She's like, "Don't worry about it. Just watch your jugular, son." <laughs> Sometimes ignorance is bliss. That's right. <laughs> so yeah, so that that right off the bat just kind of was, I don't know. Like I said, we 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 do. Yet again, a wonderful job planning out some well thought missions. Of course, uh, in this in this show. So, yeah. so they the Vulcans ha- Vulcan emissaries have a don't ask, don't tell policy when it comes to missions. <laughs> <laughs> we get that information, and then we're on the discovery, and we're yogging. Yes, yeah. 
Yeah. Have we not heard of treadmill? Um, well, you know what I thought. I was or like, the or a holodeck or I, anything. Or oh yes, like, that was that was that the, we had technological problems in both directions. Um, <laughs> <laughs> one yeah. scene was too far into the future, and one was like, "Are we shitting me?" Um, right. I thought the whole reason the saucer spun was so that it was like a a, a treadmill. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean. How how bizarre is it that you just have people running down the corridors in a you know you're telling me they don't have a fitness center on this ship? I, yeah. Well, especially I mean, if you're going to establish within this episode that there is a holodeck on the ship. It, yes. Maybe it was being used and and that's why they had to go somewhere else. Um they were playing laser tag and they couldn't uh, couldn't get yeah. in there to jog. They establish a holodeck, even though, as far as I remember, they make a big deal in the first episodes of of TNG of the holodeck being a new thing. It is. I could have sworn. No, it is. Uh, <laughs> you know, they show it to Scotty and he's super impressed by it because he's like, show well, me the Enterprise when he's drunk. Yeah, <laughs> Not enough information. That. There have been awesome. five best. And say single malt. <laughs> one seven oh one. No bloody A B T R D. So yeah, yeah, so so we're gonna be here till three in the morning, aren't we? Yeah, um, we are. Look, <laughs> hey, but look, hey look, man. Look, I said before, you don't know how long a disco is gonna go, okay? A disco <laughs> goes on until hold a on, disco is. I'll get there. I'll get there. <laughs> I can't find a better acronym for discovery I, than I have disco. Said before that I've said before, I don't mind visual updates. That makes sense. Right. Okay, but there's a difference between a visual update and creating technology to make it look cooler. Right. Have them training right. in like a, sh- have an obstacle course set up in like a shuttle bay. All right. Don't say that the holodeck exists just so we can make the visual look. Mm-hmm. Like if you need to make, if you need to change the way that that the buttons on the console look, yeah, that that makes sense, right? Because you're not creating new technology; you're just right making it giving it a face more modern. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But when you've made a big deal of establishing a continuity with, like, you know, when when these technologies are invented, freaking, you know, stick to it. Yeah, uh, yeah. Anyway, and, yeah. But, and if, so, want, but, and if you don't want to do that, do this in the Kelvin timeline. Uh, <laughs> you know, if you don't want to follow what came before use use the sandbox that has been created to do whatever the f you want i mean right <laughs> or set the fucking series after picard 200 years yeah. in the future and then you can do whatever you want with technology because you're not you're not bookended right but, so so anyway so, we're not so yogging fun fact, on the holodeck hold on we're, so fun fact about yogging uh, as i was uh researching <laughs> lethe i got down the rabbit hole and that is not a pun on uh, one of the other elements of this episode that made no sense. But I got down the rabbit hole and they had to shoot, they only had 10 seconds worth of corridor to run down to shoot these shots. And so it said it took them hours to actually shoot that scene because they could run and do 10 seconds of dialogue and then they'd have to reset the scene and do the next 10 seconds. Do they They understand that they could have done something that made more sense? Right. And had well, an easier time filming it. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. By using go, a freaking treadmill. 
treadmill. Yeah, <laughs> use a use a treadmill, or just go put them at the local high school track, and then just say "computer in program" with the end of it, and have it fade to black. You know, I just uh, I don't know the, the whole jogging down the corridor. I never saw anybody. If somebody was running down the corridor of a starship, it wasn't for it wasn't for PT training. You know. Um, yes. Yeah. I mean, but then again, I guess you have a very uh, specifically laid out path to captaincy, which is um, you have to run fast. Uh, you get a transfer to a constitution, then you get the first officer, and then you get to captain. I, easy peasy, right? Is that why Mike spent seven years on the fucking Shinshao? Yes, she didn't have a good plan. Right, because she's not a planner. Not back then, anyway. Yeah, right. no, no, I guess no, I guess the way that you differentiate somebody <laughs> running like through the hall in a crisis situation versus just jogging is whether they're wearing their standard uniform or <laughs> or the disco matched. shirt. Or yeah. the, so yeah, the so in, in a heavily regimented Starfleet, it's hard for me to believe those are standard issue. So like I I picture Tilly like replicating <laughs> them ahead of time. Oh, of course, man. I think Does it would it... say disco gals if that's right. <laughs> I mean, it, yeah, it didn't have think, glitter on there. So, you think if they were on like the USS Hood, it'd just say "ho" on the front of each of them? <laughs> oh man, yeah. This I, show I, continues I, to reinforce the notion for me that that Tilly is what the writers think of us. Yeah, because she's like, I I tend not to uh, worry about my uh, athleticism. I think my charisma and intelligence score will make up for it more yeah. than make up for it. <laughs> oh yeah, that 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 was just so. Uh, again, I I don't understand why they had to be jogging to start with. Like, why couldn't no they have just thing. been sitting? Why couldn't they have been sitting there talking about this over a nice glass of green tea uh, with all the antioxidants and. <laughs> Beta alanines and everything. Uh, Hang on. How pretentious we'll that. was that fucking computer? Come hey, on. We'll I, I have notes computer. about this later, but we can talk we'll about get to it that. now. Let, let, look, look. Because we're almost there. She just, okay. uh, you know, after jogging, she darts in for her nice burrito. Well, I just her delicious say, burrito. I just want to say that that whatever money they spent on a fight coordinator for the Matrix scenes later in the episode. They should have spent on a goddamn running coordinator to teach Michael how to run and without looking like a fucking moron. They needed they needed jogging that? doubles. Yes, it was awful. It was awful. Who runs like that? Was that a Vulcan run? I think I think it was direction. I think they said, "Look, we need you to stretch this eight second corridor into ten seconds. What can you do?" And it was, "Well, I'll take really elongated, wide arm sweeping motions." <laughs> Because it was all, it did not look fluid or natural at all. Um, but yeah. All right. So we, we end the yogging by Mike say, you know, Mike's given her the route to captain, and that makes Tilly run fast. Tilly runs so fast that it transitions to a new scene, and oh no, Klingons. But it's okay because it's just a holodeck simulation that doesn't really exist with our two um, characters who have just escaped a Klingon prison ship. Yeah. Good thing Running PTSD isn't a thing in the ship. future. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The exact same ship, mind yeah, you. The exact same ship. The exact same giving, ship. That's not going to give any flashback. <laughs> no, no. The exact same ship um, that they had clearly had at least fifty-eight Klingons on 
and the two of them swept through there like wildfire, apparently. Oh, yeah. Didn't it, wasn't it 22 kills to 36 or something like that? Something like that, yeah, I can't remember exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah well, he lied so, about it. He's like, oh, I only got 22. Maybe that was it. Maybe it was and 26. Lorca got pissed. And... He's like, don't ever apologize for X. <laughs> yeah. I still love Lorca. He just, it's like he knows that the, he's the only redeeming quality the show has right now. <laughs> And he is just hamming it up. There's the a very time. yeah. There's a very self-aware quality <laughs> to his performance that I love. Because in this episode, he's like, "Hey, uh, Mr. Director, I think I'm going to be James Bond in this episode. You good with that?" <laughs> and the director's like, "That's genius. Do it. Go for it." So, so they're they're uh, they're playing laser tag, right? Yeah, and. First off, Klingons, Klingons shoot about as poorly as stormtroopers. Klingons? <laughs> yeah, Klingons. In fairness, you both do it. So <laughs> Klingons shoot about as poorly as stormtroopers. And uh, so you're able to kill 58 with just two Federation officers. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And so they're, Th- they're that talking. Is a pretty, that is a pretty goddamn impressive kill-to-death ratio. <laughs> it, it really is. is. Yeah. You would have definitely unlocked your rewards on uh, that kind of a streak. <laughs> so achievement unlocked. So they're so they're talking. Yeah, I, I'm just watching this. I'm like, why is it the same ship? You know, why would you take him? He's already proven that he can escape a Klingon battle cruiser with you. If you're wanting to try to see what this guy's metal is, why not take him on something else? You know, maybe the point of it. All right, in fairness. Maybe the point was to see if he would like break down, be it on the same prison ship. Maybe that was uh, Lorca's psychological evaluation. Maybe so. But I mean, I'm he with does you. say he evaluated him. But I, I mean, I'm yeah, oh yeah. He he really. I bet we're gonna find out he really did his homework on this guy. I, but so I'm still, I'm still full on in the traitor among us camp. Yeah, yeah. So, so, but I love how they're having pillow talk while they're doing it. You know, yeah. like he's he's like, oh, you know, I was 24 kilometers. At least we've transitioned to the metric system by this point. You know, I mean, so that's that's there one is. silver lining. And so uh, they're talking about it. Did you pick up? He's like, oh, yeah, my parents went on vacation, got killed by a rogue comet. I absolutely did. We're, <laughs> we're tracking comets nowadays. In the, <laughs> in the 23rd century, do you get like I. It, I, I don't think that I don't it's think like that the writers understand what a rogue comet is. No, they can't. It's not a surprise. It's, like comets are very, very well documented in like, the twentieth century. Track yeah. Then oh, jeez. Yeah. Like orbital w- mechanics are pretty straightforward. Yeah. Right. Uh, I, you don't. You don't develop space travel. <laughs> And then beyond and that, understand comics. A, an ability to <laughs> well, yeah. stellar bodies. They, yeah. It, uh, I, uh, yeah, yeah, but so, yeah. So I don't know if it hit the shuttle or if it hit the planet they were on. Maybe I don't think you them. specified. <laughs> like, maybe it just hit them. <laughs> maybe maybe uh, they were just laying out on the moon of Eridani 5 or whatever the fuck it was and, and like a, a planet just lands on them. I mean sorry and oh, and a comet the size of a BW beetle just hits their two beach chairs. Oh man. Or no, it was just his mom because he never knew his dad. So it's it's just his mom. That's right. He was better off not knowing the father. So yeah, so his mom gets killed by a rogue comet. She probably just left him. 
And they're like, oh, yeah, she was killed by a rogue comet. Uh, you probably probably shouldn't look for her anymore. But It's very convenient so, that Ash is an orphan. Yeah, because he's looking for a daddy figure. That Phoenix is an orphan, and Lorca needs, uh, yeah, Lorca needs to be a father Lorca. figure to somebody, I That's guess. That's right. So, mm-hmm. I, it's almost and, like he's the perfect guy to put in this new crew <laughs> to bond with them all. That's right. You know, it's almost like a clan of deceivers and weavers of lies had a hand in this. Ah, <laughs> uh, fuck. Like, I don't know. Yeah, it's like it's like, hey, by the way, that captain you're trying to impress, uh, he's going to take you on a little shooting run and lie about the fact that you did better than him because he loves that kind of stuff. Like, I don't even get why. Why would you lie about that? What What was the incentive for trying to stroke Lorca's ego? Uh, in that in that moment, I, I I don't know. Yeah, so he tells him. None of it makes any goddamn sense. <laughs> he tells him tells him. Oh, you know. And then Lorca calls him out. He's like, "You're from 12 miles outside of Seattle. That's not exactly Seattle. I'm pretty sure that in another 200 years, Seattle's going to be a pretty damn big place. Yeah. And 12 miles. First off, technically, with transporters, you can be from anywhere and live anywhere. It doesn't even matter anymore. But uh, so he calls him out on not being from Seattle, and then he lies about like, the Fuck kills. Fuck you, Lorca. If I'd have said I'm from Bumblefuck, Washington, <laughs> it's just easier for me to say I'm from Seattle, dickwad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I did the same thing. But so they go out, right? And so uh, the Phoenix just lied about how many kills he got. Um, he lied about where he was from, supposedly. And Lorca calls him out on this, and then Lorca turns around. And he's like, "Well, I've evaluated you, and I think you'd be a, a, a stellar chief of security officer, and I'd like to offer you the job." What kind of rigmarole are we putting these officers through anymore? Like, there is no checks and balances <laughs> for how we pick the the senior level officers on starships anymore. Okay, well, Starfleet yeah, Regulation one eight five point six two lets him conscript anybody to go anywhere to do anything on the most top secret ship in the fleet. That's the cornerstone of our defense <laughs> yeah. against the Klingons. Which, but, you I know, mean, in fairness, all that Phoenix has to live up to is the stellar reputation Sergeant of Sergeant Ponytail. Ponytail. <laughs> yes. Yeah, he said we've been through a lot, you know, but uh, which means yeah, he so, banged her and <laughs> I'm starting to think that, yeah. <laughs> and was like, okay, yeah, you can be my chief of security. Yeah. But <laughs> so, all right. So he he offers him the chief of security gig, and of course, you know, Phoenix is like, "I'd be honored to, to serve on board the the Discovery." Because again, we have no protocol for selecting officers anymore. Which I feel like we're moving further down that path. Maybe I'm going to be wrong, but Lorca's he's got to be getting ready to go full on rogue against Starfleet or something because he shows no regard for orders or the chain of command or anything anymore. <laughs> so whether it's good rogue or bad rogue, I don't know. But we are clearly setting up some kind of... We may meet the second mutineer in Starfleet before this is all said and done. Because this guy... Uh, and we even address it in this episode, right? Maybe he's a stone cutter uh, from The Simpsons. You remember the stone cutter? Stone cutter, yeah, yeah I do. Uh all right, so so we're back on Sarek's shuttle, and yeah. we're we're flying through the most scary ass 
nebula that has got to exist in the universe because again the writers don't understand space and know what a nebula is <laughs> i mean it's it's a dust cloud in space right like mm -hmm. i can kind of believe like the star trek 2 wrath of khan we're in the nebula so our you know, Why there's do they a lot keep of flying through these goddamn nebulae. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you can go around those things. Uh, it, they're they're more difficult. To... Large. I I'm gonna get yeah. that. <laughs> it would take months to to scan it. Um, you know, maybe nebulas are harder to pick up than a rogue comet, and so they don't know that they have to fly through one until uh, they're in it. Mm, um, well, then they. I would buy that if they hadn't already given it a name, like the Iridian Nebula. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> oh, man. Which, so, later on in the episode, Phoenix acts like it's going to tear a ship apart if they're in it for more than 10 minutes. Why? I, again, I don't necessarily understand why they went through that. <laughs> yeah. But so, so it's the perfect place to sabotage a ship by, and let's just go ahead. I'm, I feel like we just need to address this right now. Can someone who is fiercely loyal to the idea of logic be an extremist? Because isn't, by definition, an extremist someone who doesn't really adhere to any sort of logical argument about something? They are just 110%, this is the side I'm on, and you cannot convince me otherwise. You cannot, I cannot have a rational discussion with you about it. It makes no goddamn sense. <laughs> so, so we have... Logic extremists. We have illogical logics. Uh, yes, and and they're the the only the only property associated with Star Trek that mentions them is anything related to discovery. So yeah. it is definitely uh, an invention of this show because they needed somebody to sabotage Sarek's ship. So he's a logic was I extremist. Was I the only one that thought of Iron Man too? Uh, I don't it's know. like exactly. It looks exactly like the extremist, uh, the extremist virus or whatever it is, chemical mm. that they inject into the people to make living bombs. They inject them with it and then they glow and then they blow up. Uh huh. Exactly <laughs> like it. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't pick up on that one, but uh, I feel like they didn't um, even try this episode. The writers. Did. Yeah. I mean, I feel so, like the other episodes they tried and failed. I feel like this one they didn't even try. Yeah. No, I. I it, it. It was a terrible episode i mean first off as they were recounting all of the uh actions that have been taken by these logic extremists in the past none of them are logical like you would blow up your own science academy because there was one human there yeah you're the logical thing to do you're going to sabotage you're going to sabotage a high-ranking <laughs> official's ship to try and disrupt a mission the needs of the that many, the guys the taking behind the backs of Federation, whom you were wanting to undermine to start with. Like, it was a poorly conceived experiment. <laughs> like, and, for, and furthermore, if you can smuggle the intravenous bomb on there, couldn't you have smuggled a, I don't know, a phaser or just sabotage the ship to start with before it even left? Look, it references the Tibetan monks who would self-immolate in protest. It's <sighs> it's symbolic. You uncultured. Oh like the, the only thing the only thing we missed during this whole episode, I feel like, was the tractor beam. That's the that's been the one grounding uh facet of every show so far. And it's like the absence of a tractor beam 
this show just totally got off course. This episode <laughs> totally got off the course. The tractor beam is holding things together. You're absolutely yeah. right. It is the tractor beam is the one it's motif the that holds this eighty uh, seven like, pinto. <laughs> it's like for, it's like from now on, I'm gonna breathe a sigh of relief when the tractor beam is used because I'm gonna be like, oh, thank God, we at least have that riding crew on this episode again. So. All right, so assistant oxymoron injects himself with the extremists, <laughs> and Sarek says, "Well, you know what's logical—a force field, you dumb motherfucker—and <laughs> it blows uh, him up. It doesn't somehow blow a hole in the ship. Well, it does blow a hole in the ship. It looked like, but it was the same force field type stuff that uh, the Shinjo had for hole breaches, right?" Because I th- I thought it I thought it kind of showed the explosion kind of blows some debris outwardly from the ship. You, that's what that that's what the um the the effects crew uh, depicts, but it's not what shown on set. Oh, God damn it! So we have internal inconsistencies in our internal inconsistencies now. Basically, it seems that way. Yeah. But the force field didn't stop enough of the blast, and now he's bleeding out. That's right. He's and bleeding so, out. His uh, it's it's it, green. It's appropriately. It yeah. is appropriately they green. They did get that. They did get that right. And his, um, his Katra reaches out to his own Katra, the mess <laughs> hall. <laughs> so so they finish their jogging, right? And uh, and they go to the, they go to the mess hall. And again, we have to remember just how smart Michael Burnham is, or either that, or like this was our public. You know, service announcement, public safety announcement, message of the day where we actually gave some nutritional advice in the middle of a show. Mm-hmm. Um, because she's like, oh, you know, roasted tomatoes are a great source of lycopene. Like, I just. When I'm did con- replicators start adding commentary about your show? <laughs> yes. I have so that. pretentious. I, I, so I, pretentious. I, 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 like, never I, once, never once did John Luke, uh, Jean Luke say, gee, Earl Grey hot. Earl Grey. Delicious and satisfying. Good for with, I don't, yeah. fuck. I don't even know what Earl Grey is good for. Is it put you to black, sleep? Black tea up? with a hint of citrus notes. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, <laughs> um. So yeah, I, yes. I actually have the note. I don't remember replicators being dietitians. So I wonder how many food synthesizers <laughs> had to be replaced before that feature was removed. It wasn't just them commenting. <laughs> it did it twice. On, on it what was in there, didn't it? All, didn't it say something like "delicious" and "nutritious"? Yeah, like yeah, it did. I, it said like two nutritious and because deli- then later on, it made the same thing about the tea or whatever being refreshing, yeah, or the juice being yeah. refreshing. It's like the replicator yeah. is actually cooking it, and it's proud of it. <laughs> <laughs> this one is yeah. my specialty, and it still <sighs> drives me crazy that they call them synthesizers. This is what they do. They try to take concepts from like TNG era and later, and they dress them up differently and make it sound like they're making it as being an earlier version, even though it seems to work exactly the same. So that's how they're justifying it. They're calling them synthesizers and not replicators, but they're freaking replicators. Yeah, bullshit. It's Sino. It's <laughs> synthesizer name only. Yeah, that was... They, they were... That, that part just... It was just something else that annoyed it, it. It's trying to tailor things to an audience that is not Star Trek, or maybe maybe we're not the audience of Star Trek anymore. Maybe that's the problem. Maybe we are trying to force Star Trek uh, uh, 
details and Star Trek, you know, motifs and things onto a show that is no longer Star Trek. You know, yeah, it's almost like we're acting like this show is called Star Trek. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. So we did. We made the same mistake with Picard, right? But mm, fair so, enough. So anyway, so, so Star Trek Disco. Uh, uh, yeah. So 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 Tilly asks for some salsa, but she doesn't need it because. This fire she crotch would. has got a fire starting in her crotch <laughs> when she sees yeah. Ash Tyler. And she's like, I heard he took on six Klingons at once. Michael's like. And she says, she says, I've heard about how many organs they have. I'd love to take on six Klingons at once. <laughs> and Tilly's like, well, actually, taking on one Klingon is like taking on six at once. Yeah. Yeah, that yeah, Tilly. Uh, oh, that that whole breakfast scene was again just Tilly is why why was Tilly the most socially normal one in that meeting though? And I got I I want to make a comment because we talked about this during the last episode how just eye rolling and pissed off at what we were when they said oh Klingon D seven battle cruiser you know proximity alarm going off right and then she calls it a bird of prey in that episode when they're talking about how many Klingons he killed. You know, it's like they, they wanted to try and give a nod, but, I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but a D7 was not a bird of prey. Am I wrong? The D7 was the the battle cruiser. That's a D9, isn't it? What's that? Isn't a D9 the battle, a battle cruiser? I don't know what a D7 is. I thought, like, the, the, the Katingas the, were the... No, the Katingas were the D9. Okay. Right? The upgraded D7s. The D7s actually came from the Romulan Empire because they only had the budget to make the ship once, so the Romulans and the Klingons used them, and they said that it was a weapons yes. sharing. Okay. Same, the same place they got the cloaks from. Although, apparently, no, the cloaks are, Kuma are independently <laughs> invented the cloak. So yeah, no, you're I, absolutely right, Joe Bob. I, uh, I had that backwards. Um, or at least it, I, my, my knowledge was erroneous. Um, Yep, you're right. Memory Alpha D7 owner, Klingon Empire and Romulan Star Empire. Yep, yep, yep. Um, but again, if you look at it, it was not the bird of prey. But no. they, yeah, you know, they, they, they tried to give the nod in the last episode to some of us hardcore Trekkies, and then they forgot that they gave that nod, and now they, <laughs> they, they screwed it up. So again, well, I and mean, that's, it, but that's one of the things that pisses. I assume Tilly heard a rumor that wasn't necessarily true. Fuck, I don't know. <laughs> Well, either way, it's just it's another problem that I have with this show and that it's like they just pepper things in there that they think should be there without actually thinking about the implications of what they're doing. If you wanted it to be uh, again, I don't like the only reason they said it was a D7 battle cruiser was because that would identify with people who knew what that was going to be. And yep. Uh, but so anyway, but like Warden said they do it in name only because it looked nothing like it. Nothing like it. Nothing like it. But you know, whatever. So, but so anyway, so we get our cosmic she's, brain. She's links. trying to give a handshake, which I know from Star Trek first contact is that from Cochran taught the fucking Vulcans how to handshake. They should know how to do this shit, <laughs> but whatever. She acts like she has no clue how to shake a hand. And then Sarek's Katra comes calling. Yep. And we do this st- we, stupid looking. We get the run again. Matrix jump. <laughs> running. Yeah, no, hey. no. We get the running through space. The blue form first, right? She's running to him. 
And and it's so terrible. And then we she get passes in there. Luke Skywalker on the way. He's like, I'm on my way to the salt planet. Yeah. He says, Look, I'm uh, I'm as pissed about this as you are. Good luck. And uh She's like, Does this make sense to you, Master Skywalker? He's like, No, none of it makes any goddamn sense. <laughs> oh man. Oh fuck, I gotta turn around. I left my dice at home. Um <laughs> Leia really wants these. We'll never hear the end so. of it. So she shows up in, she shows up in Sarek's mind, right? And um, you know, Sarek re- recognizes her, and then they go over. You know, you, I don't know. I would think that in your mind you could just imagine someone's not there anymore. Do you have to fight them? Uh, I mean, I guess maybe it made it more fun that way. That's what he's doing. He that's that's the visual representation of him imagining she's not there. Oh, okay. Oh man, that's it really so felt deep. Like, it felt like a scene from the Matrix. So deep. So it really did to me. The, the same. It was sort bad. Of, yeah. You know, the, Mike comes in there and she's like, "I know." Come yeah. On. And so they fight. <laughs> and everybody's gone, and it's just them sparring. Yeah, they fight, and then I loved it when he when he punches her out of the screen, and she's like, "Sarah!" Like, <laughs> just oh man, it was so bad. Can can I can I ask you guys a question? You may. <laughs> Does the statement fairness is quantifiable? Does that make any sense? I thought he said it wasn't quantifiable like un- because that's why he said it wasn't a good argument because fairness is not quantifiable. I'm pretty sure he said fairness is quantifiable, and he said because yeah, I wa- I had to go back and watch it. I'm like, wait a minute, that doesn't make any goddamn sense. <laughs> and uh, I mean, like, fairness is quantifiable from a standpoint of like, you know, well, I mean, hey, we just got paid a hundred dollars. Let's split it fifty fifty. But well, when it's like, it's not fair that I got in. Well, fairness is quantifiable. Like, what, what? what I don't think that makes yeah, any sense. Yeah, maybe you could have just said objectivity <laughs> is quantifiable or something like that. I but. think you're full of shit, husband. <laughs> but that doesn't even get into the debate of equity versus equality. <laughs> like, damn Yankee. <laughs> all right. So, so anyway, he punches her all the way back into the sick bay. Yeah, into the sick bay, and she she wakes up. And she's telling everything. Do you think they had like statutory contra laws on Vulcan? You know, because <laughs> well, well, think of it. Think of it like this. So he he melded with her when she was like eight, and he can pull her into his mind at any point. Does that not seem like there could be some abuse of that power? Uh, through some less uh, reputable sources. Well, and they do make point of the fact that it's, um, I forget it's where frowned exactly, upon. it's frowned upon. So I imagine yeah, it was, yeah, <laughs> I think it was in that, I think it was in the sick bay scene. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so that's why I was yeah, saying. So like, she reveals she's a, she's a zombie. Yeah, that's why I was wondering. Dead. Yeah. Are there statutory contra laws that say like, you can only do this with a certain individual of a, um, consenting age and conscious, but well, that's why that's why at the end he's like, I want to make a point that we are not technically related. <laughs> a strong point. So it's slightly less creepy, <laughs> Your Honor. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> oh god. So it was it was my year to pawn far. Far. Pawn far her brains out. So yeah. <laughs> So, all right, yeah, so that's when we find out that the logic extremists, in a stroke of brilliant logic, bombed their own facility, and it killed her. She was dead for three minutes, and uh, and then he... And on the 
And on the third minute, she arose. <laughs> oh, God. It's a uh, Christ figure that we've got. Yeah, so, and because she accepted his eternal life force. <sighs> That's what a Katra is, the eternal life force. So, And Lorca sort of calls bullshit, but I feel like he would call complete bullshit on yeah. that. He kind of like his character be like, "You are so full of fucking shit." Lorca cracks me up a couple times in this episode, though, because um, because he was just like I said, he was totally he was hamming it up the whole time. But well, the very next scene is him he, with Stamets, right? When he re- when he's talking, well, no, I th- I think the next thing he does is he goes to the uh, goes to the ready oh, room. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> oh yeah. The Vulcan comes in. Did you notice, like, the sociopathic way to crush a fortune cookie at the end of that scene? Like, it wasn't, he didn't even break it. He just, like, smashed it. Lorca, smash. And he just, like, crushes it between his two hands. Yeah. Did you notice that? Okay, yeah. I'm gonna... Does anybody just eat fortune cookies as a snack, like, like all the time? Like, just grab a handful of them and eat them? Like, I eat them after, after I eat Chinese food, just, just like, I guess, everybody else. Do you know anyone who just keeps them out, munches on them every so often? Like, what the hell? And then eats, and then who breaks one open like that? <laughs> Somebody. Like, you know how hard it's going to be to. Oh, he was mad. Like, keep your ready room free of crumbs and shit. You're going to be having <laughs> sex in there later. <laughs> For God's sake, man. <laughs> no, no, that's why he eats them in his ready room. He's got to keep his quarters ready, ready to bone the next uh, psyche valve lady. So. <laughs> Excuse me, though, but did he direct transport there? I know I'm getting ahead of ourselves because he he received her in his ready room, but he but plowed her. She, but she received in, him in their quarters. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but he started drinking. He brought out the scotch in the ready you room. Know, if you can't direct transport away from that, it makes one night stands infinitely easier. <laughs> you, know, you don't even have you don't even have the awkward leaving scene. Is it like no the computer got no the ugly protocol? The sheet just falls like when Yoda died. Like you just beam <laughs> out. <laughs> oh my god, oh, that's fantastic! So, uh-huh. uh, yeah, Admiral couldn't get into Vulcan Expeditionary Group. Uh, <laughs> yeah, comes on good. from Starfleet, mm-hmm. and uh, wasn't. I'm trying to think. Wasn't Spock the first Vulcan in Starfleet? No. Or am I just no? Or am I confusing that with Worf being the first Klingon in Starfleet? I think that's what you're. Yeah, but there's, okay. There's, there's, okay. there's not. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. So we've got Admiral uh, couldn't hack it in the the VIF, and so uh, he he comes on and tells him not to go, not to try and rescue. Right. <laughs> right. Uh, we're not going to do anything. And Lorca. In Lorca fashion, basically says, "Ah, well, I don't really give a damn. We're gonna go do this, and that's and tell the Vulcans you're welcome, yeah. assholes." <laughs> right? I liked that. He was kind of like, "We're gonna go clean up your mess that you were trying to clean up our mess on," and yep. and tell them tell them you're welcome. I just have a picture of like Lorca. Like, do you think when he walks down the corridors, he's singing "You're Welcome" from Moana to everybody? Because like <laughs> he's just he's all over it, man. <laughs> uh, so if I knew the words well enough, I'd sing some of it. Yeah, all I know is you're welcome. I just remember it was, yeah. you know, he was so arrogant to think that everything you did was a uh, uh, beneficial. But so 
So, bam, we show up at the Iridian yep, Nebula. Yep, we're back at the Nebula. So, did we dash drive there? Because it looked like we dashed yeah. there. We're still doing yes, that? Yes, we're still doing that. We're still doing that. But Stamets. But, but Stamets is... I did like how uh, well, Lorca was like, oh, the trip down the Mycelium Highway really did a lot for your spirits there. Because <laughs> uh, I, I did... I, I liked that scene. Because Stamets was... He's tri- yeah, yeah. He's tripping balls on mushrooms. <laughs> tripping balls. I mean, that's, and, all right, so, that's exactly what they do. He's like, man, it's so groovy. And, and again... <laughs> Lorca... Lorca... <laughs> when Lorca goes, we have exactly no time to discuss the metaphysical ramifications. I love that. Yeah, uh, I, oh, that, that, he's a comic relief. He too. is. I love Lorca. He, he's the be- he's the best. Damn, him and Stamets are the best damn characters in this show. So again, we Stamets uh, like, are you really that crazy? <laughs> Good to know. <laughs> so we once again figure out that they have a fundamental misunderstanding of. Uh, of space because apparently jumping the spore drive into the corona of a sun that you have to boogie away from will not cause them to explode, but mixing them with dust and gas from a nebula will. Well, wait, 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 wait. First What's of the all, radiation apparently, I thought. But how much? Well, he did. He said, okay, he said the cosmic the fu- gases is, and the. What the hell kind of mushroom spores are these? <laughs> That they explode <laughs> when they come into contact with a nebula. Right. I mean, first of all, right. aren't these things all over the galaxy anyway? Right. So, yep. uh, creating this network. A, so why aren't they constantly exploding? Right. The, anyway, there's a Viet Cong network know. of them all around the galaxy, and yeah. Right. I'm surprised Samus didn't it, look at him and go. It's just going to hurt you. <laughs> You're in nebula, strong with the dark side of the mycelium that is. <laughs> It's uh, and 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 yeah. So, so the right, nebula so apparently because oh, the, the nebula makes spores explode yeah, and it precludes us all your sensors. You can't fly through it, and it even blocks the Seric vision Katra shit because he's like, oh, you can't contact him from here. Like, what? How, but but did you like how? Uh, no, he can't contact her from here. But we we. We did a whole spiel about how we can make this work. Like, oh, that's a great idea. We can do that. We can kind of make a contra amplifier. Well, let's make it happen. Oh, well, it actually won't work uh, because there's too much disturbance in the force, and it'll <laughs> it'll dissipate the signal. We won't be able to do it. Uh, well, let's just fly into the nebula. Then, oh, we can't do that either so because it- it's it's gonna it's gonna blow the ship up. But to your credit, okay, so we can take it, a shuttlecraft it- into it. <laughs> so. Okay, so is it telepathy or is it technology? Yeah, it's both. Which one is it's it? It's both, Because man. why... If, this is if, like the new Pope here. They can both coexist. The whole if she spiritual get, thing and science can coexist. If she could get a signal from him from halfway across the galaxy while he was in the nebula... <laughs> what? His was none of this makes any goddamn sense. His, his was stronger. His was stronger. Uh, yeah. All right. And she says, she says, "Hey, I need someone good. I want." Tilly gets her second away mission. I was, I was so happy to Why? see that. There's no way in the world Mike would pick <laughs> Tilly. There's no fucking way Mike uh, would be like. She actually said it was for be- emotional support. Yeah. Did you did you did you miss there that? There's no That's... fucking way Michael <laughs> for emotional support. Uh, There's no fucking look, way. 
there's a limited number of characters we've been introduced to, so she kind of... Uh, she really didn't was still, she yeah. was still picked last, but it was because you know, <laughs> she was the only choice. So Burnham's like, oh man, I'm going to need somebody else on this. And she starts looking up and down the corridor. She's like, oh hell, I ran these things earlier today. I didn't recognize anybody. Tilly, <laughs> you're up. Uh, yeah, so... So, but then, all right. So they're they're taking off in the shuttle, and then that's when Cornwall. <laughs> I like it where he's in. like, "Not a scratch, okay." Yeah. And he's like, "Don't worry, she'll be fine." He's like, "I meant, I meant her," yeah. which is which I didn't really like because that's the exact opposite of what Lorca would have said. Right. He would have been like, "Not a scratch, you understand?" He'd be like, "Don't worry, I'll bring back Officer Burnham. She'll be fine." It's like, no, I mean my yeah. shuttle. <laughs> that's what Lorca would have said. Not. I don't know. Yeah, we're establishing new character traits for Lorca this episode that <laughs> and don't jive with what and Burnham. Before, but and Burnham, we'll get there. But well, Burnham's character's been all over the goddamn place. <laughs> That's true. So any character trait, she's on the mycelium whatever. highway every episode. So um, yeah. So so the schizophrenia speedway. These different <laughs> personalities just start popping up. So all right. So so Cornwall comes over. Did you catch too where he was like? Bring her back or don't come back at all. Yeah. It's like, wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Your new chief of security. Uh, but all right. So and then and then Phoenix is like, what about Tilly? He's like, oh fuck it. You can lose her. That's fine. <laughs> that okay, is I don't true. give a shit about that her. That is true. I also like Bring Burnham back. Yep. So all right. So at this point, this is when Cornwall comes in, right? And right. The, the, then we right. get the little scenes from Cornwall and Lorca goes to yeah. total James Bond on her. And right. nails her to, to to throw her off the trail. Yeah. Um, so, you know, so, a single okay. malt scotch from the from the homeland or motherland, right? That's what they said. The motherland, uh, because which apparently is right. Why not make it? Why not make it Scottish themed or something? Why why say the motherland? Uh, that's I don't know. I didn't understand <laughs> if that. You're talking about obviously Scotch. Make it or Scottish. Maybe, maybe she meant planet Earth. <laughs> Lorca's not a British name. What? what fuck but in Lorca. Did, did, did you catch? It's L apostrophe Orca. Where... He is the Orca. <laughs> so over time. Like Chateau Dotrieve. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, man. Hank, uh, Bobby. <laughs> Boomhauer. Baggy. Uh, accent. There was a King of the Hill reference in this show, though. I appreciated it. When she's like, uh, no matter how bad it gets, don't let me out. And all I could think of was when Dale Gribble was crawling into the basement with the raccoon. And he's like, Hank, no matter how much I beg and plead, do not open the screen. I repeat, do not open the screen. (laughs) So, for God's sakes, Hank, open the screen. And he opens it. He's like, I gave you one little thing to do and you screwed it up. (laughs) (laughs) I actually went back and watched that episode. Uh, uh, the name of it is To Kill a Ladybird, I believe. I went back and watched it after this episode because I needed a good pick me up. It was better. It was better written. I guarantee it. <laughs> uh, okay. So okay. So did you catch when when Lorca told uh, Admiral Doctor? Well, rules are for admirals. And I'm like, wait a minute. How, so how does this work? So <laughs> universal laws for lackeys. lackeys. Rules are for admirals, and context is for yes. kings. That doesn't make any goddamn sense. <laughs> it was a nice callback, though. Good attempt. Yeah, none, right. none of it applies to captains, though. I, no. I think that's the point he's making. 
nothing that applies to anyone else applies to a captain. So, so I, I just <laughs> go ahead, warden. <laughs> <laughs> so the, she opens toward the beginning. Anyway, she's like, Terrell was going to Admiral Terrell is going to throw a fit. Okay. So, which is a very Vulcan thing. To I do. know. Just, I'm like, does, so does Starfleet get all of the overwrought wardeny Vulcans? Um, what, what get all of the wardeny me? Uh, <laughs> oh, oh, look, actually, you know what? Yes, they do. Maybe it was a logical extremist. They bit. they do because, <laughs> as I will, uh, you know, as I as when we see this nebula, I'm actually sitting there thinking to myself, I'm like, why is everything in this show dialed up to eleven? Uh-huh. Like that, I mean, that was the most terrifying. What nobody would fly through that, um, and and the Vulcans, like you said, they're the exact same. Like they they are uh, Admiral, I don't know, whatever we called him. Terrible. Yeah, he, yeah, he he was dialed up to eleven, right? Mm-hmm. Everything in this show is dialed up to eleven. So, so to answer your question, so how did they yes. get? So how did get? So they start drinking in the ready room, but they end up fucking in the. Quarters. Yes, there's there there is a there's a there's a look, scene break that that doesn't quite happen yet. Look, look, guys, Cornwall's a classic girl. So they just she's not gonna... through the bridge to the turbo lift with like her hanging off of him, like yeah. drinking, like hey, we're heading back <laughs> to Captain's quarters. Actually, I see them walking very businesslike, <laughs> like a real awkward scene with in the turbo lift. Breath. Yeah. <laughs> look. So let's talk about uh, our strong female leads and women in command making just another stellar decision. <laughs> you are a fucking doctor, an admiral. A psychologist and an A admiral. psychologist doctor, an admiral. And you've just called him this out man, on a lot of this bullshit that he's been pulling, right? Like, yeah. at first I was thinking... You are worried about his state of mind that he might possibly have PTSD. It, look. And he bats his eyes at you and you sleep with <laughs> him. Now, look, it, hey, look. She took the communicator pen off, or the insignia pen, or whatever they are in this show. And at that point, she was just a hot-to-trot little girl who was ready to go. Okay? None of that stuff mattered anymore. Did you miss the symbolism, Joe Bob? God, you're so obtuse. No, no, I didn't miss... No, you're right. You're right. She took that off, and so at that point... She's just that point, a doctor of psychology. Yeah, but she also <laughs> loves the bad boy. And Lorca is our bad boy. So so they they get it on over a bottle of scotch from the motherland. I mean, just call it vodka. But I, I don't know. Okay, just we'll, let's not bring it back to that. So, we'll, so they get it on. But like yeah. all the things she's naming off, she's like, you've got a mutineer or a mutineer. She really, she really dialed that T up to 11. <laughs> when she said mutineer, and then she's like, "And what is this I've heard about Stamets uh, having some eugenic gene therapy going?" Like she's just railed off all these things about why he shouldn't be a captain. You think in the middle of sex, she's like on top of him, riding him. She's like, "You're fucking admirals in your own chain of command." <laughs> <laughs> she actually did. She made the comment that it seemed more businesslike than before. Uh, did you catch that? Yep, yes. Yep. So it was it was more business like, um, and, uh, and and she surmises that even that was just a ploy to throw her off the trail. And I give it to it in that moment, Jason Isaacs. I felt like that was a really 
well-acted scene by him because I couldn't even tell. I remember thinking when I was watching this oh, episode. God, yeah, it, was, it was fantastic. I was, like, it was fantastic. I was like, I can't tell if he's actually this broken or if he is just trying to play her again. I was like, I, I thought that scene, or at least his acting was fantastic in that scene. Um, but Yeah, and it really shows you that, I mean, like, what a good job he does when he's playing Lorca out for all the crew to see, you know, that he actually does have the acting chops to the show the emotion. Uh, yeah, I, yeah. It, he's my favorite yeah. character on, on the show. But I just want to point out that this drinking and sex is going on while he's just sent his science officer and new chief of security and someone else out on a very dangerous shuttle mission. Yeah. Like, yeah. can you ever see, like, I, I keep thinking like WWJLD, like what was Jean-Luc do? <laughs> Can you ever see him sending Data and Worf into a nebula on this super dangerous mission and being like, all right, I'm going to get liquored up and go fuck. Uh, just, you know, ping me if there's something <laughs> going on. You know, if there's any uh, development. I even remember ever seeing him more than once or twice drink anything until he got to, I mean, well, I guess there's a couple of us, whatever, but I mean, it, but yeah, he, yeah. He he knocked back some Aldebaran whiskey with uh, Scotty. Yes. yes. Now he went on duty at the yeah. time. Fuck it. Lork is a rebel. He makes That's right. Worse. He does. By God. <laughs> yeah. And, and I won't. Because, um, hey, by the way, did you notice? Here, as you know, uh, I, 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 moving on. I didn't catch a word of that. <laughs> word until I'm just going to edit it out anyway. Hey, so so fine. Did you notice? I think you should. Did you notice, though, uh, uh, when he starts uh, putting the moves on Cornwall, like, full-on, like, Quagmire's house, a little, like, sleazy jazz music starts playing in the background. (laughs) Do you think he, do you think there was, like, a butt that he, like, reaches back behind the, behind his chair and hits it? (laughs) Like, that had no place in the Star Trek show. At all, like, the bits, like, <laughs> like rotating and a disco ball drops down. Oh man! She's like, oh, a lady. Uh, lo- I have my bottle of Cavathier. <laughs> yeah, I, I couldn't believe I couldn't believe that 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 was in there. But uh, so so he bails her, and then she wants to stroke his uh, perfectly triangular shaped scar on his back. And uh, what's that? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe he slept on a Lego. I don't know. And. Uh, <laughs> And so, it looked like he slept on a, on the admiral's <laughs> compens. Maybe 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 he was laying on his back on the table or something during part of it, and that and so, triangle put that impression in there. Like, oh, yeah. you should have told. Me. <laughs> yeah. So, all right. So we're back on the shuttle though, right? And and she's uh, she puts the little mind reader thing on, and they send her out to meet Sarek and. That's when she gave the order, you know, no matter what happens, don't don't pull me out of here. So she goes in and she's talking to and her she mom. She doesn't tell that to the ranking officer, apparently. No, because he pulls rank <laughs> on her later. Which yeah. he's like, I outrank you. Way, You're a cadet. The janitor on on board Discovery probably outranks her. Like, I mean, what what, what he does a whole lot of looking backward while he's supposed to be flying this shuttle. I thought that too. Also, why don't you just stop this flying help? This process. Doppler effect. Come on. They thought of everything in this episode. But uh, How do you know if you're moving toward him or away from him? It's best not to ask these questions, Joe Bob. <laughs> no, don't bring the this science yeah, into yeah. it. No, there's no room for science in this sci-fi. But uh, 
All right, so she goes in and she's talking to her human adopted mother and she hands her the book, right? Uh, Alice in Wonderland. She's like, I went and witnessed an ancient human custom of book exchanges. When, when did that, be, is that going to become a thing? Warden, you're the librarian. Um, when are we going to start ceremonially uh, exchanging books? Ceremonially? Apparently. They made it seem like she went to witness this book exchange. I, I thought it looked this whole thing was stupid because then she tells know. her, you know, never forget you're human too. Nurture that side. I'm thinking that's a little fucking late for that, <laughs> Amanda. Like she's basically graduating college here. Like, oh, you you telling her this now? You're just like throwing it in yeah. there. Well, she she like I don't know. She couldn't have been that old because when she got her uh, when her resume was rejected, she's like, I want to go home. Like she was not very adult in that moment. Yeah, I gathered that. Yeah, I gathered. Well, I assume you got to be at least eighteen to join Starfleet. I mean, I could be wrong, unless you're Wesley Crusher. Yeah, I mean, how old do you think Tilly is? She's in her twenties. Twenties. I guess they. I guess you age really slowly in the future, without all those damaging sun rays. Uh, (laughs) I guess the beacon of Kalas didn't add any years to her skin. So. Well, uh, was she there? Although those were sympathetic vibrations. The beacon of Kalas was everywhere, Warden. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I saw that shit in the Andromeda Galaxy. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. So where are we? Uh, all right. I don't. I don't. Well, know. okay. So we talked about Lorca and Cornwall because clearly there are no rules anymore in Starfleet, right? Nothing matters anymore. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let me let me say one other thing about the the flashback scene. Um, and I don't remember which which of the three Matrix scenes it was, but uh, the guy that plays Sarek, I think, does a really good job of portraying just a little bit of emotion. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. to show that it's it's there and there's that undercurrent, and you know, his voice is it's it's wavering. It's not like it's breaking, but. Uh, I, I really thought he did a good job I, with, with he is I good. think Sarek, I think the actor does a great job with Sarek. And there was even that moment, and I think it was in the second scene, maybe, or maybe maybe in the last one, when uh when he caught that and uh, uh the headmaster of the Vulcan Expeditionary Force or whatever calls him out on that. Because he says, you know, you asked me to make an impossible choice and he says, you know, that sounds emotional to me. And then Sarek's like, Yeah, you're right. You know, and then obviously he picks Spock. Uh, pick Spock over Burnham to be in the Vulcan Expeditionary Force. So I, I agree. I think he does a great job, uh, great job portraying Sarek. I like that the Vulcans are racist too, just like everybody else in this Federation. <laughs> pretty, pretty hardcore racist too, which didn't seem very Vulcan to me early on, right? Uh, he was like, "We cannot dilute the Vulcan <laughs> Expeditionary Force with this human DNA. We are the master race. They're inferior." <laughs> I don't know. Was that Young Frankenstein, or was that Doctor Strangelove, or was that just generic German? <laughs> oh, I, it was just generic. Okay, gotcha. It wasn't very close, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They they are so they are that, pretty racist. Um, I, I've been picking up on that. So well, everybody is. I don't think I don't think you get to be a member of the Federation unless you prove that you're racist. They could not in this era or, or or chauvinist. I mean, Lorca. Well, I don't know. I mean, Kirk was certainly not. He was pretty womanizing ten years down the road. So I guess we haven't had a whole lot of uh, 
uncouthness brought into Star Trek by, in the next 10 years. But uh. So anyway, back to Admiral Sexy Time. That's where we are, right? Um, yeah, I think we finished that because she stormed out. Left, stormed out, yeah. Um, Can I just say, like, when she was like, when she brings up the whole, I mean, you, you're in the captain's, back in the captain's chair when you were beat, you know, after you were being tortured. A week ago. Just a week ago. And I was like, he was on that ship for like all of two and a half hours. They showed him some bright lights. Like, it's not like, you know, it's not like he was on the Bataan Death March for two months. Like, I mean, I get it. Torture's not fun for any amount of time, but like, I think he'd bounce back. Maybe I'm wrong. <sighs> Uh, I I I don't want I don't. Yeah. All right. So, but we finally uh, we finally are able to break through to Sarek because uh, the Phoenix gives mm-hmm. the emotional tear jerking speech about you don't think about your failures when you're dying. You you think about um, those that you love, even though Sarek explicitly says at the end that he was thinking about that because it was his failure and the amount of shame <laughs> it brought him. By the way, I love how he's like, nope pull her out we're going home it's like i'm taking you back that was my orders she's like no i want to go back he's like okay you convince me <laughs> like that that was yeah, hard i don't have the energy to fight both of you well you make a point so uh so i'll put you back in so she goes in and finally she bests sarek in kung fu tai chi whatever and he walks her over and lets her listen in on on the combo Right. Right. Did you think it was weird that Burnham was omnipotent or omniscient observer in these scenes, but Sarek was, I guess, having to go back and forth between talking to her and then having his regular conversation? Like there was no Ebenezer Scrooge moment where he was just kind of standing there watching it with her and talking about it. It's his mind. It's his rules, I guess. Uh, the whole thing is very weird and disjoint. I mean, yeah. Look, I. I glaze. I kind of glossed over that part because the solution, the resolution of this thing, is so goddamned mind-numbingly stupid that. Uh, it, which resolution? You're gonna have to be more she specific. She gets him, so she says, "You know, let me help you." And he reaches up and he hits a button, and Phoenix is like, "We got his transponder." Bingo! I'm like, "Wait, wait, wait! This whole fucking thing is solved by just a transponder." So, so psychic, uh, your psychic had been, you can't project into the nebula. Sensors don't work in the nebula. Like your shuttle's about to fly itself apart, but you can pick up a transponder signal just like that. Like, why couldn't you just scan for the shuttle? On top of that, why wouldn't the the transponder go off automatically? To have a transponder go off when there's an explosion <laughs> on the ship. Yeah. Like, like seems like box. that would be a pretty goddamn important thing. First of all, why is there not a transponder just going off normally? Like I thought that was kind of a thing. Yeah. Just just standard operating procedure. Mm-hmm. But why in an emergency would you ever set it up where you have to manually <laughs> turn on a right. transponder? So like this whole episode is predicated on the dumbest fucking premise. <laughs> Like this, this is what I'm talking about when I said like they didn't put any effort into writing because this makes this is just so stupid that well, can, <laughs> can we talk? Can, well, first okay, off, man. first off, can we talk about Sarek's mission to start with? You know, if you're talking about it, it's all it's all predicated on a terrible idea. So two Klingon houses, if if I picked up on this correctly, because a lot of times this show is hard to understand. I, I for me sometimes like they. It, it's uh 
sometimes when they start talking about things, it's so muted and, and undertoned, and they're using words that they haven't really introduced yet that I have trouble following it sometimes. But so two people on General Cole's like high council, like you have a high council within each house, I guess, they claim they want to undermine his authority, and so they reach out to the Vulcans to try and barter or broker some kind of deal or peace. Um, did you did you pick up on that? And so they 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 picked this. I thought it was the leaders of two houses of two yes. of the twenty four houses. Uh, and why they reached out to the Vulcans, I don't know. Maybe it's because the Vulcans had a history of shooting first, I and so they their diplomatic history. And, yeah. and so they meet up on Camino, and they. <laughs> Or they they decide to meet on Camino, and uh, again none of this made any sense. Like I don't even understand why did all how, how did I I don't know, man. I just don't even know where to go with this. The the whole idea behind the mission was asinine to start with, and so yeah. so you're gonna send one of your most high highly respected Vulcans just to vet the legitimacy of this meeting. Not to have the meeting. Yeah. He wasn't going to even have it. He was going to vet the legitimacy, is what he said. Well, yeah, I assume he was going to vet the legitimacy <laughs> and then like like two minutes before the meeting started. Because that's kind of what Admiral Doctor yeah. did. Uh, which, which is where I'm going with or this. Did, or rather, didn't do right. <laughs> which is Which is where I'm going with this. So, Osiric's mission is a failure. Starfleet wasn't even supposed to know this meeting was going to happen. And the Vulcans and the Federation were not really jiving on the whole Klingon war thing to start with. So the thing that makes sense, instead of being a no-show, is to send an admiral to go meet with your mortal enemies at this point and pull the old bait and switch on them. Who thought that? Well, let's talk about how stupid this is, too. Because Who thought that was going to be a good like... idea? You know? Sarek's in the sick bay and he's about to start crying because like it's sad that my mission's a failure because there's no way that we don't I can't you know, continue my mission to send anybody yeah yeah and we don't have time to send anybody else I'm like if only we were on a ship that could travel vast distances very very quickly <laughs> but that would draw too much like, attention what? they say that like Cornwall you can't take your ship uh, or it'll it'll be too overt you need to take a ship and you know I, I'm pretty sure that. Did they say yeah, that? Yeah, they said something like that. They said they told Cornwall to take a small envoy. Um, well, still, but they said Cornwall's ship, Cornwall was the only one that could go because her ship was halfway there already. And I assume it meant her starship, not right. the little shuttle. Well, So but why does that make any goddamn sense? Discovery could just go to anywhere in the galaxy, pick up somebody, and then go close enough right. to launch a shuttle. Well, okay, well, first off, but let, let's still talk about the decision to send um, uh, Cornwall, which, you know, I'm convinced is, again, this is Lorca just continuing to go down a pretty dark path of being pretty rogue here. Because I feel like he uh, I thought, he flipped the script from being James Bond to being Dr. Evil this time. And he, he sends see, her there. I thought what they were going to do, which I think would have been better, was Lorca was going to tip off Cole. Because before, you know, before she leaves, you know, she's pissed. Because he had sex with her and it wasn't as good. God. And, you know, whatever. And she's <laughs> Thank like, God we don't boil women down to stereotypes <laughs> in this, this show. Yeah, I know. Right? Because, well. So she's like, you're out of order. This whole like, courtroom's out of order. Mm -hmm. 
as soon as I get back from this super top secret, potentially deadly mission, yes. you're going to step down. And I figured Lorca would tip Cole yeah. off. Maybe he did. Way. But as it turns out, well, nah. I, oh, no. No, he didn't because she met with the two people they were right, supposed to. Right, and they were, their so intent was, like, was to get that's, Sarah. That's dumb. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah, that, that, like they had a good opportunity to do something. And instead the they whole, just, yeah, yeah the whole thing pissed me off because, yeah. I mean, I just, it, it, made, it made no sense. All right, think of it like this two of Hitler's lieutenants decide they want to try to overthrow, uh, Hitler, does Churchill go meet him in person? No. So, I just don't understand why why we decided. First off, why we decided that Starfleet could make a stand in anyway. While anybody in Starfleet, they were hoping for Mister for Herr Roosevelt, <laughs> but we see you have come instead. This is very excellent. Uh, we are looking for the peace treaty and talking about the uh, peace. So, <laughs> <laughs> you fell for our rules. <laughs> Okay. Now we have now we have a prime minister. So so she goes and here here because this was this was my whole thing. Even if the meeting was legitimate, and all of a sudden the Starfleet admiral showed up instead, if I were the Klingons, I would have audible at that point either and been like, oh fuck. I mean, if if she's gonna walk right in here, let's just go ahead and take her instead. This will give us much more leverage than working through the Vulcans, right? With two, and, and they're all three, they've all three got phasers on their hips for all the good it does them because she brings two completely inept security yeah. officers. And even she fumbles around with her gun and can't figure yeah. out how to turn she it on. She looked terrible trying to uh, hold that. Yeah. Well, Jesus Christ. So, Maybe if it had been a dustbuster, I mean, would have known how to use it. <laughs> and, and I had to. <laughs> you know what? That's a good way for Warden to mark what he needs to cut. He just screams shit. <laughs> um, th- Look, don't blame me. This show is the one setting women back to <laughs> This show is setting women back to the 22nd century every week it comes off. So, how fantastic would it have been if, like, when Lorca, uh, if after sex, like when she woke him up and she was bitching, Lorca just been like, shut up and make me a sandwich. Oh you and don't give me any of that food synthesizer bullshit. I want an omelet right now. So, uh, I, just so I can finally get this out. Uh, you do not tell someone you think is unstable and needs to be removed from their position for everyone's good, including theirs, that you're going to do so. <laughs> Especially when they are oh, no, that's career exactly and goal-oriented and are processing trauma. <laughs> that yeah. grew... Out of that career. I'm not saying you're dishonest. I'm saying you just shut the fuck up. And you don't leave him yep. behind in his position. What kind of fucking shrink is this woman? <sighs> of shrink? I mean, what kind of admiral? I mean, everybody. What kind of know, human like, being? Listen. I mean, she clearly thinks he's listen, insane. Bill, uh, but he's he's a really good lady. Uh, so. Hey, uh, listen, Bill, uh, me and the guys, we're, we're a little bit worried you might actually be a sociopath. And uh, we think that all the PTSD and uh, war fighting, you know, you just might be a violent son of a bitch. So listen, uh, I got a business trip to Phoenix. But when I get back, we're going <laughs> to fire you. Just uh, hold it together till I get back. Uh, don't do anything rash because that's all you've done in the last six months. Don't do anything crazy. Just, uh, ah. 
scratch that. Don't do anything rash, you know. Yeah. Just <laughs> bottle that up the raisin crate. Little bit. But <laughs> <laughs> Oh man. So uh, all right, so when when we get to Camino, <laughs> I had to actually watch the scene a couple times because the uh the locals there were so poorly done, I thought they were statues. And, uh, yeah, and it, was say, like, they ever it was like, ha-ha, I got you. Look, these weren't even real people. This was all a ruse. Like, I had to go back and watch it a couple times. Because he's like, like thank you for our hosts. You know, taking such good care. I'm <laughs> like, are these even real? It's like on the Three Musketeers where he goes on the pirate ship at the end. And he's like, are you deaf, man? He's like, <laughs> they're, dead. All dead. they're all dead. Not all of us. <laughs> They just fall over. <laughs> yeah, but I went back and looked. It's like it's like you know sometimes when you watch a like a behind the scenes and they have a CGI character and they just have like a puppet stand in. Yeah, they go back and and edit later. It's like they ran out of budget on this episode. <laughs> the puppets are yeah. <laughs> so so I go back and I do in fact see some knives in the backs of their heads, uh, and so so I guess they were alive at least for a short period of time. Typically, the hosts are kind of the ones who broker these deals, too. Uh-huh. So, like, they would have been standing in the middle and been like, you know, the Klingons on one side, uh, the Federation on the other. You know, a lot of times you're going to check people for weapons first. And um, But, uh, you know, I guess if I'm having a super secret meeting with my sworn enemy, I'm going to let two of them stand over my left and right shoulder, too. Because that seems like a good idea. Yeah. Um, so they get their they get their throats cut. Well, once again, the Starfleet officers are wearing phasers on their hips, all three of them, which is yeah. Whatever. yeah. So, so she gets taken captive, and and Cole speaks some broken Klingon, and then he speaks some broken English to her, and says he looks forward to meeting her, and uh, then says, because you have proven yourselves worthy, I'm going to give you cloaking devices, because now. Cole is the dealer of cloaking devices. So it's whether it was the Romulans or Takuma or Cole, you know, now we're just disseminating this technology everywhere, it would appear. And so we get back to the ship and Saru goes and uh goes and talks to Lorca. He's like, It was a it was a trap. You know, they took her hostage. What are we gonna do? <laughs> and for the for the so, first time yeah. in in Lorca's career apparently he decides to follow orders and Saru's threat boners don't go up or nothing you know. right <laughs> even though it was but Saru but Saru's ready to fucking saddle right. up the cavalry Saru's and go like, oh normally we would engage in alternative thinking like i mean how did it like you hate that about yeah. Lorca so obviously Lorca doesn't want to go try and go get her because like you said when when Bill gets back from his business trip he's gonna fire him so so Lorca's like no we're not gonna do anything without authorization even though this whole episode was predicated on you making a rescue attempt that was not authorized by Star yes so mm -hmm. so Saru's threat boners don't go up because I guess he he just rubbed one out and he was still in that little oh room so uh I mean do you think you think I don't know what species he is, but you think like their version of porn is just a scary like, movie. <laughs> he watches yeah. he watches Jeepers like Creepers when he has a really 
But he hasn't gotten any in a while. Saru so. uh, is a Kelpie. <laughs> it does not. Isn't, Kelp, isn't that in the seagrass? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It has been mentioned. Okay. But um, yeah, probably went right by you because there was plenty of other things happening. Are you, are you trying to tell me that, well, I don't actually know where you're going with this, that his threat boners are supposed to look like kelp? Or. No. I. <laughs> or that he's like. A horse? Like a Kelpie? I'm I'm so confused right now. I don't know quite why you're confused. <laughs> this is material. Kind of confused about what you're confused about. I'm, I'm a I, little. I, yeah, all I said was that um, they did mention the name of his species, but it presumably went right by you because at the same time, there was plenty of other stupid things going on. Ah, uh, see, I thought you were telling me there was some kind of no, there is symbolic. No you are primed for symbolism, man, and it's just not there. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> You're right. You're right. Okay. All right. So, threat boners don't go off. They do not. And so, uh, uh, so I mean, obviously, Lorca, Lorca planned this, but w- one thing I want to go back to when Burnham gets back and she's talked to Sarek and she, she walks out. And Lorca, you know, they have their dialogue, and he says, "Well, you know, I need a team around me who's going to help me carry the day." There's a, a, a science officer position on the bridge waiting on you. Don't even think about saying no. She goes, "I accept," and she says, "You know, I I would be honored to serve under such a what does she say? Um, grateful to serve under such an amazing captain." So, like, dude's clearly a sociopath, <laughs> and I find it ironic yeah. that. The mutineer, who was kind of a sociopath in her last job, is now honored to serve under Lorca and learn from him. Um, even yeah. though Saru, who like worshipped Giorgio's boots, her space boots, by the way, it, the sneakers are too much. Is anybody else bothered by the, the moon boots that they're wearing in all these episodes? They're a little weird, their, yeah. They look like Pee Wee Herman's <laughs> tequila dance shoes, but uh, <laughs> so, uh, I, and even though Saru kind of gets that uh, threat semi from Lorca, because he knows he's kind of he's operating on the gray areas, mm-hmm. Burnham is just all about him. Like I would be honored to serve on you. So, I'm sure. Well, because you know she's she has drank from the waters of the river Lethe. Right. She has. And she has forgotten everything up to this point. Which is why we get to see her go try to learn to be human when she's talking to Phoenix for the second hall. time with some delicious, nutritious uh, antioxidant green, green tea. Yes. Oh, man, it's so pretentious. Boy, yeah, uh, this new guy, he sure is interested in her. And what? I ah, fuck it. I it's so stupid. It's so stupid. Uh, I thought it was funny, you know, I, so, earlier on in the episode, too, I, I remember thinking, like, oh, it was good. They learned from Lorca's abduction. And uh, they brought the whole ship with Cornwall so that, you know, she was an HVT. That way she wouldn't get abducted. And then I swear to God, you know, keep in mind, it was only a week ago that Lorca was supposedly abducted. (laughs) And now Cornwall gets abducted because, I mean, I guess to be fair, instead of it just being a pilot and and a high-ranking officer, it was a high-ranking officer and two people. So maybe they made some improvements. Admirals get That's two right. guards, True. two worthless guards. True. Captains only get yeah. one. Can you imagine the the like boardroom 
the next Monday morning. They're like, God damn it, twice in a week? What are these fucking people doing How have there? we not lost this war yet? Who is planning these what things? What the fuck are we doing? <laughs> oh, man. Uh, but just... Oh. So, all right. Overall. The episode... <laughs> well, wait, wait, wait. The episode ends with, you know, he sends Saru on his way. And then he looks at his reflection in the mirror, just like Stamets did last week. I feel like, are they trying to get our fucking mirror, mirror boner up? Because we keep ending with people looking at their reflections. And then we pan from the reflection to see he's got a phaser stuff into the waistband on the back of his pants. And I'm like, and it was obviously supposed to be ominous. And I thought, you are in the middle of a war. The Admiral had a damn phaser on her hip. It is perfectly acceptable to have a sidearm laying around. Like, why is that show he's unhinged? Yeah, I mean, I thought the same thing, too. I, I, I hated it. I thought episode. it was supposed to be such a brilliant ending, but it, it was almost like he was going to, if Saru had uh, had not bowed down to him, maybe that was what they were going for. Like, he obviously knew somebody was going to come and ask him, and if they, if they gave him any lip about it, he was just going to take him out. But, yeah, it was... All right, so I'm just I'm, I'm gonna try overall <laughs> thoughts on the episode. I think we kind of said it already. It was fucking stupid. yeah. <laughs> Hated it. Well, I can. And in talking about it, I haven't. I was about to say mind. after talking about it, I don't think I like it anymore, but I do think that I like it less <laughs> because there were some things that I missed. So I don't know. This. This episode was as bad as the pilots. <laughs> and it's pointless. Nothing about this episode needed to happen. I guess I guess you had to get Cornwall captured. Um, because you couldn't have just put that in as um, you know, when Lorca got captured they, they, they made hits on several different HVTs and they got Cornwall too, you know. That would have been better written, in my opinion, than having to do this whole thing. Because it made no sense why she went. None. None of this episode made any goddamn sense. That's why I was saying that Lethe means they forgot how anything works. Maybe in they real let life. the interns like, no, like the way the way that she handled Lorca made no fucking sense. The way that again, the way that the situation was resolved with Sarek was just him like flipping on the porch light. It was so fucking stupid. The the. The whole mind meld turning into a psychic link and the soul. I just, it's so yeah. fucking stupid. Nothing. I just, <laughs> you know, well, it's, it's kind of, you, I you, it, I, you did kind of hit on it a bit there. It like with the, the, the mind meld thing and all that kind of stuff. A lot of this show is let's take stuff that's existing and dial it up to 11 and take it to its illogical extreme. You mean, you mean, Wait, you I mean thought, it's illogical extremist? That's moron. It's logical yeah, that's extreme. Right. Uh. You can't have an illogical because that would be screen. logical. <laughs> oh man, yeah. You think there's hipsters on Vulcan? <laughs> I don't know. They're like, yo, you think you're logical, but we're like logical. I, I mean, I'm pretty sure whoever writes the dialogue for the uh, food synthesizer's got to be a vegan or something, <laughs> because only a vegan would make comments like this. But yeah, have you thought of having a tofu burrito instead of a bean? Or yeah. No, no, because she orders a bean burrito. Like bean burrito. We don't even eat meat in the future. Except for Giorgio. But. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> that would be insensitive to Saru. 
So yeah, my my closing thoughts on the episode was it was a that's why Lorca's so colossal pissed. Of time. He wants a big bowl of like uh, he wants a big bowl of uh, General So's chicken, but all he can get are fortune. I'm pretty sure whatever the hell that meal he had in an episode or two ago had something meat, and I I can't imagine there there is no precedent established that they do not have meat in Star Trek. It's the only the only turkey leg I've seen was the one that Lacrell chowed down on. Before she went and became so captain and, of a D seven cruiser, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. So overall, the episode totally pointless. Didn't need it to advance the plot. I think they wrote it on bring your daughter to work day <laughs> because they were clearly very distra- uh, distracted when they were writing this whole thing. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I just I I don't even understand. Like, I mean, obviously. Oh, I say obviously. I assume the point is that it's another starting over point for Michael. But like, how many of those fucking starting over points are we gonna have? Like, it's, it's so stupid. It's not an it's not an arc. We just like keep going back to square one and saying, "Oh yeah, she's just learning to." Oh, just, oh, it's so <laughs> stupid. I hate it. I hated this episode. I hated. Well, this then let's start moving on to the next one. Um. What's uh, our next magic one, to Warden? make the sanest man go mad. Well, you know what? It's better than let they. It is. I would have rather watched Stamets and not Cuba Gooding fucking for an hour. Damn, and I'm yeah. straight. <laughs> yeah. uh, that's that's my review of the episode. Uh, <laughs> so I think um, that's a good one to sign <laughs> off for. I, I don't even know how to. I don't even know how to address that. I mean, I'm pretty sure you can make that happen on uh, on the internet somewhere if you Google that directly. I'm sure you can find it. Theoretically, may not be an hour long, but uh, theoretically, yes. Uh, I'll just loop it. <laughs> it's gonna be a real interesting <laughs> review next week. Uh, all right, so uh, Joe Bob, so we we made some predictions in the last episode about uh, where this show is gonna go from here. I think it'd be fun if we refine them based on the packets of information, what few they were, <laughs> that we received from Lethe. Uh, I, I believe. What did we? What, so, what did we get from the, this show that in any way exactly. advanced anything well, that we know? For me, didn't for, know? for me, I, I, I'm predicting that Lorca's going to have, uh, you know, uh, after the last couple episodes, I was saying Lorca's going to go totally rogue. And I don't know if that's good rogue or bad rogue yet. If he's going to just uh, go off the rails and try and kill the, the, the Klingon High Council on his own. or But either way, there's a there's a break point coming to where he just tells Starfleet to, to piss off. He's going to do his own thing. And that there's going to be well, some kind of a mutiny. And somehow another mutiny is going to be vindicated and idealized because it would it would have had to have happened at that point. That was mine. Yours was kind of about the man in the mirror and the traitor in the mist uh, midst uh, uh, arcs. I still tropes. think Ash is, a, is some sort of brainwashed traitor or something. Uh, yeah, I think that they're... Again, ending with Lorca looking at his reflection. We're we're gonna we're gonna do something. <laughs> Fuck, I don't know. And and who? I mean, there may have been. Maybe may the mycelium. They may 
they may try to flip all the way around and they only flip halfway and then they're upside down and they end up in, I don't know, in the mirror universe or something. (laughs) And to your point, I agree because Lorca is French for (laughs) the Orca. And you know what a Orca is? So it's a whale. Now, anyway, it's a killer whale. You know, it's another killer whale. Oh, he's totally going Captain Ahab. And if you hadn't have started this fucking rant, that's what I was about to say. <laughs> oh, man, you just you, you took the damn wind out of my sails. You son of a bitch. He's totally going to go Captain Ahab at some point. But And Volk, what do we know about Volk? He's now Bino. What was Moby Dick? The white whale. Moby Dick oh, was man. the white this whale. This is genius. This is genius. Well, and presumably Volk has it, two of them, so... Uh, at least, <laughs> you at least we we just know there's not one. <laughs> okay, that mathematical symbol is just Klingon vagina does not equal one. That's all we know. Okay, <laughs> which which really means there's an infinite number of possibilities. Yeah, Schrodinger's cat. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean. Schrodinger's box would have worked too, and it would have been way less crude. <laughs> oh man! But look, Vokes off nailing all the matriarchs. He's he may they, that may have been their way of writing him off into a happy sunset. You know, they're gonna ask about him. Whatever happened to that Voke guy? Oh, dude, he's getting no, so much tail you can't Lorca's, shake a stick at it. So he's got to be Lorca's white whale. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. It's so brilliant. This, this intricate tapestry that they're waving. Oh, man. You think he and LaCrell are ever going to decouple? Is that coming? <sighs> Lorca and no, LaCrell? No, Voke and LaCrell. They, they had all that sexual tension when they were righty, righty, tighty, lefty, loosen the um, the dilithium. Because apparently two screws are all that it takes to hold in. A critical dilithium processor unit. Yes, they're space screws. Oh God! So uh, it's like they're self-healing. They're stem infinite bolts. friction instead of instead of uh, perpetual motion <laughs> yes, exactly. because we've invented infinite friction, <laughs> <laughs> which does not which does not serve you well when you are uh, uh, you're decoupling. <laughs> oh, <it doesn't, laughs> that, that that would burn. Um, yeah. I thought you were going to pull out. I couldn't. It was infinite friction. <laughs> I'm stuck. Oh, man. <clears throat> okay. Yeah. That no. is, uh, that's a wrap. Yeah. That, I think uh, that's I, a wrap. I do believe that is Warden <laughs> Joe Bob and Willie signing off. <laughs> Fight and Fury, performed by R.J. Wilkes, used under license from Shutterstock. <laughs>